Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Aloha, Spring fans. It's Thursday, the 4th of August, 2022. How are you? First of all, uh, actually, before we figure that out, I, I don't even know how we got here. I mean, it's the 4th of August. It's it's August. <laughs> it's the eighth month of the year, people. Uh, I, it was freaking March like a minute ago. I, I don't know. It feels like things are moving really quick. And I know it's supposed to get faster. And it seems to be one of my common laments. If you go back in the annals of my uh, This Week in Spring uh, posts and uh, various podcasts, whatever, I'm just constantly uh, befuddled by the progression of time, it seems. But it really, it's August. I don't even know how we got here. It really has just moved way too quick. The spring and summer seasons have completely gotten away from me. Um, at least things are winding down a little bit, you know, that'll be fun. Uh, just before recording this, my family and I are, uh, we packed our luggage and we ate some breakfast and we're, we're pre- preparing to head for the airport uh, for that long, hopefully not too turbulent ride back to reality, to the mainland, to San Francisco, uh, uh, from Maui, Maui, Hawaii, where we've spent an idyllic couple of weeks uh, maxing and relaxing by the planet's swankiest pool, the ocean. Uh, my family and I really love it here, but but it'll be exciting to to get home and to be back at my desk. Um, I've had some really good ideas. Not good. I mean, they're okay, but they're they're they would be useful. You know, I've had some good ideas that would be useful while I've been sun tanning uh, and uh, and and you know sleeping and napping. Uh, and I'm really just eager to try it out. You know, uh, assuming these burns go the right way. Um, the first step, I think, on that road to recover, of course, is to get today's episode out. Uh, and today's guest is a great one. Today, we're talking to observability guru, Jonathan Ivanov, about the latest and greatest in all things observability in Spring Boot. Things are already pretty good where they stand for the current generation of Spring Boot 2.x, but what does the future hold, specifically around uh, Spring Boot 3, due later this year? Uh, in 2022. Well, Jonathan's just the person to help orient us. I learned a lot from this episode, as always, and I hope you do too. I, I asked, I was like, wait, I don't care. We'll figure it out. I know uh, there, I haven't had a bad conversation with you yet. Uh, and once <laughs> you've had enough conversations with somebody, you know, it's fine. Worst case, we could just talk about Among Us, you know? And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that could be an option. So. Yeah, exactly. I haven't played since I believe like six months. Oh, at least yeah. Like, um, whoa, Google Oracle Cloud servers are suffering because of the heat in the UK right now, and so websites Ouch. are. Wow, I just saw that news right now. Not to date this particular episode, we're going through as you and I record this. It's, it's 19 July, 2022, uh, and uh, there's a heat wave striking Western Europe and Asia, parts of Asia. So, <laughs> and that headline just popped up. Have you heard like Microsoft putting uh, like uh, data centers under water? I thought Sun was doing that 15 years ago, right? The uh, Aqua Data Center or something like that. I don't know. No, that that's an that's not anything. Google did that. Uh, um, Sun. Underwater data centers. Uh, 
yeah, I don't remember. There was, yeah, I heard about Microsoft, but I think there were other companies that were doing it as well. And it makes perfect sense, right? Just take perfect, take example, take the benefit of being underwater, you know, and uh, presumably, presumably that lowers your carbon footprint because there's less uh, cooling required in the building, therefore less electricity and CO2 and all that stuff. I, I am interested, like how will that uh, that turn out for for them? Uh, will that be useful, or it is basically just uh, like it doesn't work, and they they are wasting their time? Let's see. I I am interested. Yeah, I hope it has. I mean, it it has to. I, I imagine it has an economic impact, right? Like it's uh, it's just more efficient if you don't have to pay for the cooling at that at that scale. That stuff is such a cost center you know i i can't even imagine um okay well anyway uh anyway we uh, we recorded this we're recording and i'm i'm uh, uh i was i was not worried about what we're going to say but before we say whatever it is we're going to say which we don't know because again we never established it can you introduce yourself to the audience so that they know who you are and uh, so that i don't butcher the description yeah so i'm jonathan uh i am originally from hungary so I follow Hungarians. Uh, my uh, like the native pronunciation of my name is actually Jonathan, but in the US I usually go with the the English pronunciation because that is easier for everyone. Ivanov. Uh, uh, Ivanov. Yeah, Ivanov. There you go. I got that wrong. Uh, which, which is not a uh, like traditional Hungarian name because I am half Bulgarian. Oh, you are. Yes, I love. I've been to both, and I love uh, the food and the drink and the culture and the, and mostly the weather in both places too. That's interesting. But Bulgaria is the first place I went to. I went there before I went to Hungary. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I am uh, like one of the members of the Spring Engineering team at VMware, and yeah. uh, I work on like or in the observability domain. Uh, which means uh, I am working on Micrometer and Spring Cloud Sleuth and on a new initiative called like, Spring Observability, which mm-hmm. we can talk about later, uh, okay. with, with Tommy Ludwig and Martin Cheschak. Ah, Tommy Ludwig is, uh, I think we had him on the show. And then uh, yes. Martin Cheschak, we had him as well. Right? Uh, so finally, I'm, com- I'm completing my uh, observability bingo. We finally were able to get you on the show. <laughs> And uh, I am also like one of the leaders of the Seattle Java User Group. Oh yeah, the Seattle Java User Group is awesome. Yeah, that uh, is. And w- what else should I like, tell? Like, like, subscribe, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end, so people can find you on the inter- on the inner tubes. Uh, but yeah, I want I want people to find you, uh, and and because what you're doing is super important. You seem to be working uh, at the heart of a lot, you know, all things observability, all things instrumentation, all things, um, you know, uh, monitoring in the spring ecosystem, right? That story has taken a lot of different shapes over the year, uh, years, plural. Uh, some people might remember Hyperic, right? Which is a agent for monitoring different systems. And that actually was part of um, uh, the spring source group for a while and then became part of VMware. And I don't even know what, what, it, what is ever, whatever has become of that. And, uh, and then at some point it became very clear that you couldn't just deploy agents to the box on which your process, Java or not, uh, was running. That wouldn't give you nearly so interesting a picture. And so it became clear that 
uh, for, for us on the spring team, but also for, I think, just people in the world. I mean, just look at the movement around observability these days, right? Uh, it became clear that um, you, you needed to instrument the code. The code needed to... Yes, yes. It's an interesting trade-off because uh, like you are trading off the amount of information you can extract with convenience, maybe. So if you are like, I, I, I bump into these uh, hot takes <laughs> usually on Twitter uh, a lot of times that, hey, like just attach this agent or you don't even need an agent. You just need a sidecar. But the amount of data that you can extract like from a process, uh, like a... If you if you're observing the solution sitting in a sidecar or like attached as an agent, yeah, uh, it's it's usually less than uh, like the amount of data that you can uh, get out from your system instrumenting your code base. Yeah, and also the agent is is pretty interesting from this perspective because if we are talking about the JVM, uh, that is a very interesting question for the native image. Yeah. You cannot use a JVM agent if you are running on Substrate VM. Right, which is the Graal VM native image uh, yes. runtime. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, Java agents don't work there. And, you know, um, uh, maybe they will one day. But in the meantime, you know, it's if you weren't persuaded by the argument that you're just not getting A, as much, and B, as quality uh, data from your agents, uh, then you should be persuaded by the technical limitation that you just can't run them in certain contexts, you know? Um, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, plus there's just, uh, what, I, what I want here is I want um, higher level insight into what my application is doing from a business perspective, right? I don't just care about how much RAM my machine process has. You know, I, 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 if that was all there was to it, then I think the, this, this would have been, a problem solved a long time a long time ago. You know, instead today we we're looking for ways to surface um, semantic, you know, glimpses of the application. Uh, what is how many users do you have? What how many uh, transactions are being executed? How many people have filled out this form? That kind of stuff. And it's not just how much RAM or how many requests or the 99th percentile or whatever. Uh, yes. You know, these things are the same. Mechanism yeah, sets. Usually, I, I say that uh, like uh, observability is basically, or it should be about being able to ask like arbitrary questions about your application. And the question can be anything, any aspect of your app. Uh, and the the hard part in this is basically, you, in order to do that, you need to be able to handle unknown unknowns. You right. need to be able to prepare about things that you don't even know they do exist. Mm. And that's a tall order. That's that's hard to do. And that's why, uh, like for example, like instrumenting your code base uh, is, is a good option because if you're instrumenting everything, then you can ask these questions. Right. Uh, so the idea with instrumenting your code is that it's, it's definitionally more invasive, but that's a feature in this case, right? Because you want to be, you want instrumentation to be at the heart of your, of your business logic everywhere, not just the, um, you know, RAM and CPU and all that stuff, right? You want this also, also for your business logic, like there are there are like uh, 
pretty useful shortcuts. Uh, like for example, if you are using uh, like outside of your business logic, let's talk about that first. Like uh, all of your like frameworks, libraries, I don't know, HTTP clients, and so on, they can instrument themselves using these like standard tool sets. And once they are instrumented, that, that doesn't have anything to do with your business logic. They, they contain the instrumentation code in itself, and uh, you can just use them. And well, sure. you can well, get this out-of-the-box experience. And if you want to instrument your business logic, you can have like a couple of nice things, like, uh, for example, like Micrometer and Suit as well. They contain annotations. So, for example, if you want like, to count something or to measure the duration of something, you just put an annotation on a method and uh, it will work out of the box. You, you made my, you, you got ahead of me, but, and I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was going to just, the next sentence was basically that you want this to be at the heart of your business logic, but thanks to frameworks, it doesn't have to be so invasive. You can actually tamp down on that invasiveness a little bit so that it doesn't occupy your lines of code uh, per se, but you still get that benefit of being at the same granularity as your logic, your business logic, your business beans and methods and all that, threads, et cetera. Yeah, and that is that is basically the case. Uh, like uh, in in most of the scenarios as of today, with with Spring Cloud Sleuth and with Micrometer as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. If as if we needed another reason to love Spring, right? Like uh, yes, I, it affords us a unique opportunity. So you just mentioned Spring Cloud Sleuth and Micrometer. Um, tell us about these two things. These are two things that are are maybe or maybe not related. Yes. So let's start with with Micrometer. So Micrometer is, uh, I guess, the most popular metrics library on the JVM as of today. Uh, so Micrometer is all about metrics uh, right now, uh, because this will change a little bit in the future. I will talk about that as well. Yeah. Uh, so we usually like to say that Micrometer is like SLF4J, yeah. but for metrics. And if you go to micrometer.io, uh, which is the official site of Micrometer, you will see this, I don't know, slogan there too. And uh, it's, it is because Micrometer has like a simple API to, to interrupt or to create uh, like metrics. And it supports the most popular metrics backends, uh, which is like pretty similar to SLF. It has like a simple API, it's a facade. And uh, it supports uh, like backends that you can plug them in and out. That's the same story with Micrometer. You just use the Micrometer API, and uh, you can just plug like different metrics backends in and out. Or you can use multiple ones. Like you can use like Prometheus, Influx, uh, JMX together, like all three if you want. Uh, right. the, if you go to Micrometer.io, uh, there is I believe like almost like twenty backends uh, that we support right now. Right. So it's, it's a quite, quite uh, best. Uh, Including Prometheus and things like that that people use in huge systems. All the time, yes. Also, Prometheus, uh, there is also uh, like Elastic. Uh, we have uh, like uh, support for, for JMX, uh, Wavefront, which is, uh, which is by VMware, uh, okay. Ganglia, Graphite, and so on. So there are there are a lot of uh, lot of backends that you can just get the jar, plug it in, and if you happen to use Spring Boot, it will auto configure that for you. So you don't really need to do anything else other than like getting the jar. If you need 
I don't know, like secrets or something for authenticating uh, to your backend, then just add those properties, uh, like define your endpoint, API key, whatever, and then you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 exactly. Like, uh, it, it is such a, an amazing little library, this micrometer library. Um, it, because you, there's, it has core primitives, right? It has core, you can actually create statistics, things like that, um, meters. So timers. the tree, uh, like there are a lot of like, we call them meters in micrometer. So there are a ton of meters that you can create. The, mo the three most uh, like popular one uh, are like a timer. Right. And you can, you can use a timer for basically measure duration. And the timer will also give you a counter, like how many times did that thing happen that you are measuring. And this is good, for example, like measuring uh, like uh, an HTTP endpoint, right. like how much time did that take? Uh, and also like uh, how many times uh, did that happen? Uh, there is another one, uh, which is a counter, which is good for just like counting things. And uh, you can calculate the rate of uh, like something happening, like an error rate or so and so on. And uh, there is another thing which is called a gauge. And a gauge is basically a raw value of something. And uh, there is a huge difference between a counter and a gauge. A counter must be always, uh, what is the word for that? Like a whole number? Always mon monotonically increasing. Okay, monotonically. Okay. So yeah, so the, the, the counter, it always go up. Yeah. For example, if you are counting the incoming like HTTP requests, that will never go down. Right. You will, you will never have a minus one HTTP request. But if right. you are, for example, measuring the room temperature, right. the temperature can go up and down. Uh, uh, so for that one, that you can you, you can use a uh, use a gauge. And also, gauge. gauges are usually yes. Like the, yeah. the temperature, you might use a gauge, right? Because the temperature for goes example, up. For example, or let's say like CD utilization. Right. That can also be a gauge. And gauges are usually asynchronous which means that they are basically like pulling, monitoring something. When you, when you pull a gauge, like you are uh, interested, okay, what is, the, what is the value of the room temperature? Then the gauge will go out in that very moment. And it will basically like, uh, ask uh, your, your state object, hey, what is the value of this? Wow. Yeah, like, um, yeah okay, so gauges, uh, they're they're reconciled after the fact. They're not exactly instantaneous because you have to see the trend. Um, what does that look like in terms of what micrometer does? Does micrometer keep that state, or is it communicated to a backend, or like how does it get represented? Yeah. So basically, micrometer is uh, is uh, it it has like these backends from this uh, dimension. They have like two modes. Or there are two types of backends. Uh, one of them is where you publish the data or push the data to them. Uh, so these are like push-based backends. Most of them are like that. Uh, except, for example, Prometheus, which is you are not pushing the data to Prometheus. Prometheus will pull you. So what what micrometer is doing? It is basically uh, like storing the data in memory and uh, storing and calculating these statistics. It does some math as well uh, until that data is, is pushed. 
and sometimes even more because if you have like a counter which is for the whole life cycle of that application you need to keep that so this question a little bit depends on like what backend uh they use uh some values are uh will be reset some will not totally depends on the backend uh, okay so we do actually keep the yeah that's that sounds right i remember um there was some discussion around how there was uh what's that that histogram you know uh that kirk i think it was kirk pepperdine mm -hmm. but the, I think we're using that at some point. Oh, uh, you mean the HDR histogram? Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, that that that's Giltene. That's what? Yeah, Giltene, right, right, Giltene. Yes. Sorry, uh, uh, I knew it was one of those gentlemen. I I, I could see their, I could see it. Like I I, I remember, Gil was on the show. I think Kirk was been on the show, but Gil was on the show. And that's right. We talked about the. the uh, um, yeah, actually, he has a great, great, great talk. If you want to learn about uh, like metrics or like measuring performance or measuring latency, right. he has a great talk, and the title is "How Not to Measure Latency." <laughs> so, awesome. and yeah, it's it's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like an hour long talk. It's it's awesome. It's amazing. All of the things that you can uh, like uh, bump into, and uh, like all of the issues that that you can. Uh, or all of the let me say like uh not that common issues that you can bump into while you're measuring latency and generating metrics he's he's talking about them that's an amazing talk so for people who don't know Gil, Gilten is the um cto of azul systems they make a jvm that you can do you can use i mean they've their, their whole focus has been performance for as long as i can remember right so when he when he when somebody like him gives a talk about that particular topic, about latency in your enterprise-grade application, uh, you know, it's coming from somebody who is, you know, in the bowels of yes. some of the largest, most demanding applications out there, you know, running in production, right? And so, uh, yeah, uh, that's a good that's a good talk. I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I found a version of it. I'm not sure if it's the only one uh, on Strange Loop Conference on YouTube. So yes, that, that that's a good one. Uh, the, the strange group fun. Like, uh, if you if you want to to learn about that, like, yeah, just just listen to, to that one and, and and watch it. Also, they have like, a, as you mentioned, they have like a skin in a business because like uh, the Asus JVM, they are all about performance. They right. have like uh, their own like garbage. They, they implemented their own like garbage collector, like C4. And right, they have right. their own like uh, just in time compiler. I believe it is called Falcon and. Uh, yeah, they need to measure the performance of this so that they bumped into these issues. And I believe that's uh, inspired this talk in the first place. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, if there's anybody, anybody that could, that, you know, would be able to speak with authority for sure, you know, him and uh, Kirk Pepperdine are my two go-tos, um, which is why I conflated Kirk, by the way, that's the reason. I, uh, I just, I, I thought he was involved, but no, no, I'm wrong. Kirk, Kirk has uh, like a, a pretty nice, uh, like a measuring performance talks as well. He, yeah. he was uh, like one of our guests uh, with uh, the Seattle user group. <laughs> and his talk is basically, it, it was, I'm not 100% sure if it is available online, but if you like search uh, his name on YouTube, I believe he has like a ton of talks uh, in the topic. And this particular one was very, very interesting because he basically walked through a methodology 
how to detect performance issues. Like check this first if if this happens. It, it is it was basically like a uh, uh, like side of a flip chart where you have like a decision graph and uh, I should say do this do that and uh, in in the end uh, you can you can get into the conclusion hopefully. That's amazing. Yeah. See, this is this is why I, um, this is why we have people like you because you're obviously. Um, <laughs> deep in the, the 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 mechanics of all this so okay we've got uh gauges we've got um uh, meters Hunters, timers. Hunters rather yeah and we've got timers which are i guess a gauge with a trend line over time um uh you know for time for the passage of time actually no it's maybe maybe it's more like a counter what is so the we, so the timer you actually can get like three things out of it uh by default and uh, these three things are basically a counter like how many times did that thing happen that you are measuring the max latency or the max duration of those calls and the summary like uh, the the total of those uh of those latencies added together but timer can do like much more for you if like this is just out of the box but uh it, the micrometer api it has like an ic builder where yeah. you can turn these like uh, features like on and off for example, in the case of timer, you can add a histogram. Right. So you can see, for example, in terms of latency, you can see that, hey, like how many, how many requests did I have that fall like between, I don't know, 100 and 110 milliseconds or 100 and 200 and so on. You can define these as well. You can like define SLOs, like service level objectives, and uh, you can you can measure those. Also, uh, we are usually not recommending this, but you can you can do this. You can also publish uh, a percentiles as well. So right. you can you can see like okay, what is the ninety nine point nine 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 percentile latency, and uh, you can calculate that on the back end. That's why we are not usually we are usually not recommending it because the client side percentile calculation it is basically like an approximation. Uh, or like a worse approximation than what you can do on the backend. Uh, oh, so you're saying the backend, like the time series database. Uh, yeah, for example, in Prometheus, Prometheus has uh, like if if you, for example, like publish these histograms to Prometheus, Prometheus based on this this histogram, it can calculate the ninety nine point nine 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 percentile for you. I see. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Um, yeah, that makes sense because they, they have the big picture. They can see all the state, whereas your application might have been restarted or or whatever, right? Um, yeah, that's fair. Okay, so good. So we've got micrometer, uh, easily one of the most interesting projects. And by the way, you can use people don't uh, like we did. We created micrometer, uh, the Spring team, but it's not a Spring project, is it? It's a separate project that Spring depends on, but not the other way around. Micrometer. Yeah, micrometer is a, is a standalone uh, open source project. It doesn't depend on Spring. Uh, Spring uses micrometer, but micrometer has no dependencies on Spring. We have samples with Spring Boot, right. but yeah, that's that's not in the library. That's that's a whole different story. Right. Uh, so yeah, Boot uh, or actually like most of the most of the Spring portfolio where this makes sense, they are using micrometer and they instrument themselves using right. micrometer. For example, if you create, if you go to start Spring IO and you generate a very, very simple like uh, application with boot and you add actuator, you are basically done. If you add like WebMVC or 
that flux, uh, those endpoints that you that you are creating, uh, for example, your controllers, they are already instrumented by boot for you. So you don't really need to do anything. You just okay, like, hey, show me, show me my metrics, and everything will be there. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I love it when it's just it it works out of the box. And so the way that's possible is Micrometer has a core SPI against which these various Spring modules link, and they emit events, right? Um, and uh, and then of course if you plug in an implementation, Prometheus or whatever, then it gets forwarded to that. Is that the idea? Yes. Uh, and Micrometer like comes out of the box. So let's say that you just like want to. Like play with it a little bit, and uh, you just want to see like what what time series or what metrics uh, will I have if I do this or do that. And you can do two things for that. So you don't need to set up uh, like your infrastructure, and you you don't need to have a a metrics backend if you don't want to. You can do two things, uh, or actually maybe three. Uh, one, since Prometheus is pool based, yeah. then it means that. Uh, your application needs to have a way, need to publish an endpoint where these metrics are available. Right. So if you are bringing in the Prometheus uh, registry of micrometer, which will be auto-configured for you by boot, then you are just hitting the slash actuator slash Prometheus endpoint. And so that implies a web server. Sorry, say it again. So that implies a web server. So Spring Boot doesn't need to have a web endpoint, right? You can just do a start set spring.io and just use Spring Data. Yes. Spring Batch and never have an HTTP server. Uh, also, another thing that you can do is actuator actually has a metrics endpoint. So if you do go to slash actuator slash metrics, that is basically a in-memory uh, registry that you can use for these like informational or troubleshooting purposes. Don't use it in production. It wasn't yeah. meant for that. But if you just like uh, if you're curious, okay, like what metrics will I have or what data uh, is available by a micrometer if I do these things, then you can use that as well. And also uh, the third thing that you can do, micrometer has a logging meter registry as well, which means that it will like publish the data periodically into your logs if you want to see that oh. there. That's another thing I am not 100% sure I can uh, recommend to use it in prod. <laughs> Actually, I, I've done this uh, in my dark past <laughs> because the company I was working for, they did not let me to, to set up a metrics backend right. uh, in any environment. Uh, and they did not let me to set up a uh, distributed tracing backend either. So what I did, I basically published all of these things into logs and I used uh, our log ingestion system to query and aggregate these. Uh, it's a horrible thing to do. Yeah. Please don't do that. <laughs> you, yeah. you need, you need a, a proper metrics backend too if, if you want metrics. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, it, it is there for, for like, purposes when you just want to see things like, hey, this is, the, the, these are our metrics. And I believe these are very, very useful in your, in your local dev environment. In yeah. production, just use a, use a real like, full flash metrics backend and, and you will be fine with that. I mean, you're right, 100%. And, I, and there's no reason not to, since there's a, a dozen that are all 
open source, easy to deploy. They're they're pain painless to get going. I mean, there's a bunch of options there. Not to mention a bunch of hosted ones that are cheap or basically free in certain contexts. If you're already doing something else with something else from the same vendor, you know, there, there's just no shortage of really, really, really good uh, dedicated time series database, you know, metrics yes. accumulation tools. Um, uh, that said, I think Hadoop was born basically. It, it is it thrived with the use case of people are printing out meaningful business actionable output into their logs and they wanted to process it, you know, like, uh, Oh yeah. Yes. That, that, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a huge, a huge industry and in the, it used to, and I think we've all moved on hopefully, but you know, it, logs are still a very big business. Just ask, a, um, elastic, you know what they think. Oh yes. Yes. And uh, they 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 need to be so logs have this uh, have a lot of advantages like uh, if you for example has a stack trace oh by nature it's a good idea to push those into your logs because like metrics and distributed tracing are not really good for 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 this uh, also if you for example want to log uh, the payload. Like the request response pairs that you are receiving or sending. Uh, logs are good for that. GC logs. That's it's it's naturally it, it should go to logs. Uh, and there are other things as well, like uh, access logs from your from your web service. Uh, and, and so on. So logs definitely has their own place in this uh, in this observability ecosystem. I usually say that. Uh, like logs should answer the question of what happened right in in this in this domain usually uh, metrics should answer like why sorry not why what is the context of right this? and distributed tracing should answer why something happened and for example if I give you a example to I don't know like a, a latency then uh, you can see that. For example, in your access logs, you can see that, hey, processing this very request took, I don't know, 100 minutes. Right. But is it bad or is it good? In a vacuum? See, yeah, in a vacuum, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it, you need to know the context. So metrics should answer that question. What is the context? And it can tell you that, hey, like the max was 110. And the 99.999 is 100 and, I don't know, eight, five, whatever. In that context, it is pretty bad. Yeah. In the context of, hey, like this is in the like fastest 10% or 5%, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but if it is bad, then distributed tracing should, or if it is too good, <laughs> distributed tracing should answer the question like, hey, why? Is this like too bad or too good? Why? Why was this like 100 milliseconds? And it is doing it by giving you the call stack or the topology of your call. So with this wiki tracing, you will see that hey, service called I don't know service B, service B called service C, and service C called the database. Right. And you will see this this whole call stack, and you will also see that hey. In this example, let's say that all the services are okay. The latency is, is fine there inside of the services. You can see like how much time uh, uh, the request like to the network as well. So you can see that, hey, the network was also okay. 
But for some reason, let's say the database was slow. And you can see that uh, in like a timeline and in a core graph, like it's a, like a tree-like structure. Uh, if you, for example, go to uh, or Google for OpenSifting uh, or Jaeger or whatever distributed tracing solution, they usually give you a screenshot about this view that I am talking about. Yeah. And you will see there like basically two things. One is the hierarchy of your code, like who code from oh. this tree structure. Yes. So like and the, also, also a timeline. The, the, the tree structure, is that basically the stair steps? Yes. For a synchronous yes. call, right? So you've got the longest step on the top, which is the beginning and the end of the outermost transaction. And then the second. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's the timeline. But yeah, that's, that's the idea yeah. uh, that you will, you will see. Yeah. Who called who and what, what operation uh, like took uh, like what time? And you will be able to see that, hey, this whole, whole call like, took like 100 milliseconds because that database did something terrible and uh, the whole thing, the database call was in itself like 80 milliseconds, which in, in that 100, it, it, it is like the, the maturity. And sometimes you can, you can also tell like uh, in the distributed tracing, if you, are, if you are instrumenting a database call, you can also add things like the, uh, the query that was sent to the database. Right. So in some cases, you can tell that, hey, this database call took so long because somebody requested a lot of data. I don't know, the API is not paginated or whatever. All right. So you would use the logs to see what data they requested and see what response was given. You'd use the metrics to capture how long the request took and how many requests to given endpoints were made. And you'd use the tracing to see um, the flow of the user from the first click all the way to the services involved in producing the response. Yes. That in, yes. For example, like in this latency example, yeah, you, you can also have like a error example, uh, which is a little bit uh, different, but not too much. Like, uh, let's say that you can see a stack trace mm -hmm. in your logs, which is answering the question of what happened, hey, something failed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can answer the question why happened because the stack trace, yeah, it can contain that information. But if this stack trace is uh, like a result of like three service call on the road, maybe the last service just returned you on HTTP 500 without any explanation. So in that case, it will not help you. Uh, and in like itself, like, hey, something failed. Is it bad or is it good? Like, it's definitely not good because it's an error, but we don't know how bad is that. We have right. zero idea if it's just like one request or half of our infrastructure is down. Mm. And metrics can tell you that. It can tell you, hey, this was the error rate. Let's say like 0 0.005 right. errors per second. And recently we only had like five errors or 10, which is... Right not too bad if you have like a high traffic. Uh, but uh, why did that happen? Maybe the, the step trace can tell you or the error message can tell you, maybe not. But uh, yeah. distributed tracing, like in a distributed application, it can came to the rescue because like you will have this core stack, the, the whole trace uh, of your call, and it can tell you that, hey, along these steps, right. like, I don't know the first step or the fifth step, or like all the way down the DB call or whatever you are doing at the end, that, that thing failed and it cascaded up to you. Uh, and so you might get an error in the JavaScript because there's a field that's null, but then 
you don't realize that actually there's five other systems that failed. Yes. And they're not producing the data. Therefore, the data coming back to the JavaScript showing up on my page is wrong, right? Distributed tracing exactly. pulls back the, it peels the onion for you so you can see yes. all these different layers of uh, failure. Um, and since, since you are like talking about distributed tracing and you asked uh, like, uh, I don't know, like 20 minutes ago, what is Micrometer and Sleuth? Oh yeah. Like Sprinkled Sleuth is the support for distributed tracing in the Spring portfolio. Right. So Sleuth, Sleuth will give you uh, this distributed tracing support and Spring is using, Spring is instrumenting itself using, using Sleuth. And Sleuth is uh, like an interesting piece because uh, the latest version of Sleuth, it has an API that can basically uh, like abstract away these, these operations that you want to do or the, the things that you want to do to interact with your distributed tracing solution. And it is hiding you underlying uh, like tracing libraries. So Sleuth is not doing tracing in itself. It is basically an abstraction on top of tracing libraries. And right now there are two libraries that we are supporting. One of them is called uh, Brave. And Brave is from the OpenZip game community. Right. And it's a very mature uh, project. Uh, and a lot of uh, like systems are using it and they are instrumenting themselves uh, with Brave and Brave have support for, for a lot of components that you can use. And the other one, it's uh, experimental. And uh, that is basically open telemetry. Mm. So Sleuth has support for, for both Brave and open telemetry as well. Open telemetry is a CNCF project. Right. And open telemetry tracing is not completely uh, like stable yet. So that's why uh, Sleuth has only experimental support for, for Hotel. Uh, has the support from our side had to change all that much recently? Uh, there was there was a huge change in open telemetry tracing uh, on, the, on the Java side, where Otto basically like rewrote their instrumentation API. Oh wow! And they needed to they needed to rewrote like the whole instrumentation for all of the things that they support. That was actually amazing. Like looking at that single GitHub issue, which had like 99 uh, or so like tasks in it. What? And you, you saw the progress. Yeah, that, that was a huge change. Uh, from Sleuth's perspective, since it is like not 100% stable, uh, we are usually bumping into like uh, breaking changes that we right. need to fix. Uh, so the only thing that you need to uh, like be careful about is not to specify the open telemetry version. Just use the bomb uh, that Sleuth will give you to you if you want to use open telemetry. And Sleuth will tell you that, hey, this version of Sleuth, it depends on this version of Hotel. And we know that they are compatible because we have tests for those different versions. So if you if you will have this like version mismatch, right. you can get into trouble because of those uh, like uh, breaking, breaking changes. changes. Not everything is compatible with everything, yes. Did they at least do the big breaking change in a major release or was it like point so release? They, so the version numbering that they are using, they are still at 0. Okay. 0.15 or 16. Yeah. So if you go, for example, to Maven Central, like searchmaven.org, uh, and if you search for io.opentelemetry.instrumentation, right. you will see that the version number is 0. I don't know, 16.0 minus alpha or so. 
Uh, so they broke uh, same pair. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure about that because still they like this is still not a this is kind of like a still a milestone release to me. Ah, that's fair. Maybe open that maybe open that developers has different opinions about this, but this is still like not like a 1.0 or after 1.0 uh, release. Yeah. Wait, actually, like let me check this because uh, like what is the what is the current version? Always good to be up to date. I I I know a lot of people want to use open telemetry, so that's exciting. I'm I'm glad we have good support there, uh, ready and and willing for people that need it. But just bear in mind, things may change, and we'll we'll do our best to insulate you from that. But uh, sometimes it can't be helped, you know. So actually, the so the latest version is one point fifteen. That's zero okay. uh, alpha. Uh, so it's not zero point. Uh, they they used to have that uh, that version strategy. But uh, I forget that they, they bumped this whole thing uh, like above one. Because there are actually like other, other uh, like parts of open telemetry tracing that are considered as stable. If you go to their like GitHub page, uh, they have these documented. And some there are there are some people which has like a mixed uh, like status, like some of the some of the things there are stable, some of them are not. Uh, you can go there and then see, see the current status. But if your charts like contain the minus alpha in the version number, that's a good sign that that thing might not be stable. Yeah. So because we are depending such things in Stute, uh, the project is experimental. I, well, yeah. I, uh, Sleuth is not experimental, right? Sleuth is legit, but... Uh... No, no, sorry. Yeah, Sleuth is GA. So I believe Sleuth was created in 2015. Yeah. And it was originally it was started by, by Spencer Gibb. Mm -hmm. And also, I guess, like the, uh, Dave Sire. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, Sleuth is totally stable. The open telemetry support in Sleuth, that one is, is experimental. That, that only one that piece. But if you don't want to use open telemetry, uh, by default, Sleuth is using Brave. That thing is also stable. Yeah, there's options. Oh yeah, no, that's the point. Spring gives you options, and we try and be as careful and deliberate about any changes that we do. But you know, it's a fast-moving landscape, and Spring is trying to keep uh, on top of that as best as any, anybody has or, or, or could. So, it's I, I, anyway, go check it out. I hope people will. Um, okay, so Sleuth and Micrometer. I mean, logs. You know, that's not really a thing that the Spring team works too hard on. I mean, there's. I would say if you're still doing logs, make and for some of the use cases that we defined earlier, still make sure you do machine readable logs. Like you know, uh, don't just write random human readable prose. You know, text. The, the log support can be interesting too because like uh, if you are using like Spring Boot, you will yeah. get support or you will get SLF4J and logback out of the box, right. how to configure everything. But you can also like replace logback if you want to log4j2. You just need to like exclude the dependency and bring in uh, like another fine. dependency. But you need to do this explicitly. Sure. Boot will not like use log4j2 uh, just because like yeah. some magic. You need to you need to exclude one and then bring on bring in the other one. Right. You have to go out of it. Basically, that's a that's good news for those of you who are worried about whether you were going to run into that old log4j bug that has been fixed, but yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Worth, worth mentioning that it's fixed in all the places that matter. 
So upgrade to the new, latest and greatest version of Spring Boot, or at least the latest version of Log4j. Yeah, that, that, that was a couple of like wild days uh, when, uh, when uh, like uh, the Log4j show came out because uh, like the boot team needed to explain this a lot to people that hey no boot is not using uh, Log4j out of the box it is right. using Logback it is only using Log4j if you ask it to do it explicitly right. and it's a, it's a very explicit you have to remove something like you just said and then yes. add something explicitly in the palm it's a, it's not it's not accidental. Um, so okay, but um, so we've got the logging, but the Spring team we don't have like Spring logging. We just package and reuse well understood uh, mechanisms yes. like SLF4j or log4j or whatever. Um, our our focus seems to be on Sleuth for tracing and Micrometer for metrics. First of all, two things: what is the like? How do people correlate data one from the other? Like, if I want to jump from the metrics and I see, oh, I've got some, I've got a lot of requests that are now slower than the other ones. Um, and then I want to like look at something in the, in the tracing to find those. Is there a way for me to like create a tool to link one to the other? Is there, or is it just sort of, you start looking for things around the same time or what? That, that is the, that is an excellent question. Oh. You, you, you have no idea how amazing is that question <laughs> <laughs> or that question is. I'll surprise uh, you. Yes. Uh, there, there, there is. So the the problem with uh, with with this, uh, or why is this? It, this can be a hard uh, thing to do. It's because like uh, when you have like uh, your distributed tracing solution set up, uh, there are two things there that you that you need to know about, and this is basically like terminology. Uh, the basic operation that you want to measure in your distributed tracing solution is called a span. And it is, hey, I am doing something which I want to measure, and that's a span. And multiple spans uh, that belong together, that's a trace. So for example, if like you have like a one application is calling another one, that can be a span. Another application can call the database, that is also can be a span or like your business logic is doing something uh, that is also a span. And all of these spans in like a tree-like structure that is called a trace. And these things has IDs. Like there is a span ID and there is a trace ID. And that's what you can do to correlate things. So correlating things like, like logs to spans and vice versa, it's easy because uh, like Sleuth is also doing like log correlation, which means that your logs, if you add Sleuth to your class path, your logs will contain the span ID and the trace ID as well. So if you see, for example, a stack trace in your app, you can just get the trace ID from your logs, search for that, and you will see all of the, all of the connected log events from all of your services. Or right. you can get this trace ID and you can go to your distributed tracing backend and say that, hey, what happened? Like, this is the trace ID, show me the trace. And you will see, the whole uh, like tree of spans and uh, all of the details that you need. Now with metrics, this is a little bit uh, like more complicated, and uh, it is complicated uh, or a little bit complicated because you cannot just attach this ID to your metrics normally. Like uh, you, you can have tags uh, on your metrics. But there is a, uh, uh, a thing that you should never do is basically attaching high cardinality tags to your metrics. And okay. high cardinality means that 
uh, like a cardinality means basically the number of elements in a set. Right. And if that is, that is high, means basically infinite for your application, like you have like more data than like memory, right. <laughs> which means like it doesn't matter how much is that it's infinite for you, uh, that can blow up your JVM because you will run out of space, you need to store these details. Or if, if you can solve this problem, how to store infinite amount of data in an uninfinite space in your JVM, <laughs> Uh, then you will have you will have issues later because uh, your metrics backend needs to store that too. So you need to so like solve this problem twice with storing infinite data in an infinite space. And the problem is that trace ID is actually it's an ID for every single request. So it's very high cardinality. It's part, it's practically infinite for you. So that's why attaching these two things. Uh, are a little bit hard or was, let me say, was hard uh, because you cannot just attach your trace ID to your metrics normally right. to your tag. Uh, so what the, the interest uh, came up with, it is called exemplars. And exemplars are trying to solve this, this very issue to attach some kind of metadata to your time series. But when you do that, it will be basically not as a tag of your metrics. So it will not increase the amount of metrics or time series that you have, but it will be next to the value. So right. for example, if you have a counter, the, like, the amount, uh, like what you have in the counter, if it is like one or five or 10, it, it doesn't basically like uh, increase the, uh, the space that you need or this. Yeah. So next to this value, you basically can store this trace ID and the span ID. And once you do that, uh, and it is it is there, you can basically jump between uh, from metrics to your tracing system. And uh, it's it's actually quite good. If you if you go to so there was a blog entry. Uh, Marcin wrote that in the, in the Spring Engineering blog, because once once uh, we added uh, this this support, we needed to add it both to Microeater and Sleuth as well. So what Microeater is doing is, in case of Prometheus, so because as as of today, as far as I know, Prometheus is the only backend who supports exemplars. Uh, maybe that's not true anymore. If you if you know about any backends that does this, please let us know. Just create an issue in Micrometer and we will be happy to, to support that. So when Micrometer is basically uh, like increasing a, for example, a counter, like let's say, hey, there is an incoming request coming in uh, and I'm doing something. If the counter was one, now it's like plus one, two. Uh, it will also go out, not always, but uh, like with some sampling rate, if you go out and ask the tracer, the tracing library, in this case, it's like the tracing solution is good. And it will ask, hey, what is the current span ID and trace ID for this particular request? And once it gets that, it will attach to the, to the metrics. And this thing will go to Prometheus. And Prometheus can show this. And uh, so in, the, in this blog post, uh, Marcin basically added a, uh, uh, a screenshot because Grafana has also support for this. 
So once you are using like Prometheus and you want to like visualize your uh, your counters, for example, on a graph yeah. with Grafana, you can turn this exemplars feature on and you can say that, hey, this is the URL or the base URL or the URL template of my distributed tracing backend. And the Grafana will put a button next to it. So once you hover over your data point, uh, which is your exemplar, uh, like you can see that, hey, there was a spike in your graph. And there will be an example trace ID next to that spike saying that, hey, if you're, if you're looking in that spike, this is an example call that you can basically like go to and, and check like what happened there. So you just, Grafana basically puts a button next to this. You just press the button, you are in your distributed tracing solution, which can be like uh, Grafana Tempo, it can be Zipkin, it can be whatever that can accept a trace ID in the URL, which is, right. I guess, most of the distributed tracing backends. Uh, so you can, you can jump between these UIs and you can see a spike and you can see in the distributed tracing why that spike happened, because you will have an example call uh, that happened that or that belong to, to, to that, that spike on your graph. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. That, I didn't, didn't know. I was expecting you to have some like strategies or something, but you've actually got a feature. There's a thing I can go try. This is so this exciting. Is, yeah, this is pretty new. We added it in micrometer 1.9, which was released in May. Of 2022. Uh, See, yes. that was just luck that we scheduled this. And I had no idea. <laughs> we didn't get to talk and about what we're going to talk about after all. Also, this feature is uh, experimental, uh, like even in Prometheus. So if you if you are if you have Prometheus, you need to turn this on uh, explicitly. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if it is experimental in Grafana. I don't think so. It is it is there out of the box. You just need to turn it on for your panel uh, and uh, and also for your backend and. Uh, that's all you will have this feature or you will have this very, very powerful capability of uh, like jumping from your metrics to your tracing system through a example trace ID. So cool. Um, that is so cool. Okay, so uh, what, what are some of the things that people can look forward to in spring support for observability? What's, are we working on anything that people should know about as standalone solutions? Do we have anything in spring itself, I mean, I don't know. What's I have no idea what we're doing. You are too good at this, huh? no, <laughs> because we, we we did not like we we basically talked nothing about like uh, like what will we talk about today. And you are asking these awesome questions. Oh, good. Uh, well. <laughs> so uh, there is a <laughs> there is a uh, new initiative called Spring Observability, and. Uh, well, new like Jurgen uh, basically like publicized this uh, on Spring One last last year, right. and Spring observability basically it consists of let me say like at least three things. So one thing is Sloop will be discontinued for Spring Spring Boot three and Spring Framework six. Okay, but we are moving the code base of Sleuth as is into a new project called Micrometer Tracing. Okay, because because like Spring Cloud Sleuth, it doesn't have too much to do with like Spring Cloud 
things. You don't need to be in a cloud, for example, uh, in order to use uh, suit. Uh, but uh, from instrumentation perspective, it makes sense to be like a standalone project. Right. Which, like doesn't it doesn't need to depend on Spring. It doesn't really need to depend on anything. It is basically just a set of API that you can use to instrument your code base. So we are moving that out. And uh, I think as of today, what you need to do if you want to move from sleuth to this micrometer tracing, if you want, it is it is just a milestone release. So don't use it in Prad, but you can experiment with that if you want. Uh, because it's like just moving the code from one place to another. Right. You need to get a different char. Right. And the package name will be different. But otherwise, it's essentially the same. But does it does the new micrometer tracing ship with auto configurations to pull sleuth into my web client and my my uh, message consumers and in, in, in Spring Cloud's stream or function? so you will get you will get auto configuration for this. But for instrumentation, and this is the second thing maybe from the from the tree that we are doing around this string observability thing is that. We are creating a new set of API called the observation API. The observations? Because, yeah, observation API. Okay. Because maybe so the whole idea is you can make observations with the observation API. Right. And the the rationale or the justification behind this is if you want to instrument your code base, your business logic, your HTTP call, whatever, uh, with micrometer. And with Sleuth, you need to do this instrumentation twice. Right. You need to instrument your code with micrometer. You need to create a timer. And with Sleuth, you need to create a span. And these two things are actually kind of similar from a perspective that they are both meant to track elapsed time for an operation. So you're measuring the duration, essentially, and you are attaching metadata. So because of this nature, we come up with this observation API, uh, which is like trying to trying to give you an abstraction for this problem set. So you oh, want wow. to measure something that something happened in the application which has a duration, uh, which is most of the things. So basically, you create an observation. You can start this observation. You can stop this observation. You can say that hey, an error happened during this observation. You can attach like tags to this observation that, hey, this, uh, this observation happened while uh, like this user was active, like this belongs to that, that, that user. Wow. So you can attach metadata, a lot of metadata, uh, as many as you want uh, to, to these observations. And uh, that's all. So you don't need to basically put two things in your code base. You just instrument your code once, and you can get multiple uh, like advantages out of this. And the idea, like, or, or in order to do that, is that you can attach like listeners or handlers to these observations. And what this will do once, like, when you are doing these uh, and you are using the observation API, you just say, "Hi, I just start an observation. I just stop the observation." These handlers will be notified. That, hey, somebody started this observation. Hey, somebody stopped this observation. An error happened, and so on. And these handlers can act accordingly. So one of the handlers that we will provide out of the box 
it will create a timer, a micrometer timer for you. But hey, somebody started an observation. I am starting the timer. I'm starting the stopwatch. And once it is stopped, you are stopping it and saying that, hey, I measured this thing and I'm publishing it. And the same thing with smooth. We, or like in this world, it will be micrometer tracing. Hey, when, when you like start an observation, you start a span. And when the observation stops, you will end that span. And uh, you can add like audit logs, like you can have your own handler for this. And whatever is happening in your application, you have this abstraction, you have this set of APIs on top of that. And you can get uh, the data that you need and you can transform this data in a form that you need uh, and just push it somewhere. So some you, of you can have actually, some of the data will naturally lend itself to metrics and others to tracing systems. But the point is from our perspective, from the code perspective, it's just one abstraction. That's amazing. What, what is the, how does the API handle asynchronous things? I do this thing and then a minute later on some other thread, is it I like, at first I was imagining like a transaction template, but that wouldn't work, right? Cause you've got these asynchronous things. So how do I correlate? Asynchronous thing is, uh, is definitely harder. Uh, yeah. And this API will have uh, like support for that. And uh, so basically in the, in the, like the most uh, like simple, like, let's say that you have like a callback and you just basically like create uh, like an observation, you start it and in your callback, you just pass this and you can start right. it. The problem is basically context propagation. So for example, if you have like, uh, if you're using, for example, reactor, Reactor is switching the threads, uh, like as it wishes uh, yeah. in the background. And uh, one of the things is that you want to do if you are doing uh, uh, distributed tracing or you are instrumenting uh, like uh, your, your application code for distributed tracing is propagate some information between threads. So an addition on top of this observation API, what is growing under the hood is a context propagation oh. uh, API. So that is, I, yeah. I don't have like uh, answers for for that question uh, as of as of, as of today. A definitive one because like everything is now like uh, boiling and 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 we are brewing okay. that. But uh, yes, it is it is in progress. So context propagation, which is also like a micrometer. Uh, Project. You can, right. if, you, if you go to the micrometer repos, you will see there will be a tracing repo, there will be a context propagation repo. And uh, this observation API should use that context propagation uh, repo under the hood. And if we are lucky uh, and we can play this well, then we should be able to do this uh, in an automated way for you. Wow. So, for example, it will not have matter if you are like, uh, if you are using, I don't know, Webflux uh, with Reactor, or you are using uh, like a imperative uh, MVC application, uh, both should work. And hopefully you can switch between these. Like you can say that, hey, I have like a imperative context and I am moving from imperative to reactive or the other way. Uh, and uh, yeah, that is, that is uh, like in the works uh, right now. Uh, Russell and Marching, they are they are working on 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 it. And uh, wow, 
Oh, wow. I can't wait. So what do you have a week? Can you give us a tentative? We'd like to have it out by date or is it not even known when this will be available? So this should happen uh, way before uh, like uh, Spring Boot 3 and Spring Framework will be released. Really? Is that the yes. goal? Okay. Because like the, the third ah. thing, so the, the first thing I, I mentioned is like Spoot is moving to micrometer tracing. Then the second one, we will have the this observation API. And the third thing is basically this observation API and also micrometer tracing uh, will be used in the next version of Boot and framework and basically everything. They will use this API to instrument instrument themselves. Wow. So they will depend on on this. So that's why we need to release, we need to go GA before, before boot or framework goes to GA because they, they are using, they are using micrometer to, to instrument their code base. Wow. That is so cool. Oh, I can't wait. And, and for the people who don't know, last I heard, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but spring boot three is due by the end of the year. Right. And therefore spring boot, spring yes. framework six before it. And therefore this, even before that, the end of 2022, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously things have been known to change, but you heard it here. Like, you know, this is, oh, wow, that's exciting. I cannot wait to try all this out. Where can people, uh, I, I'm sure people listening are just like chomping at the bit. Where can they go to learn more about this? So they can go to uh, the, uh, like the micrometer repo. Yeah. They can check what what, what new things are in uh, like 1.10. They can check the uh, the release notes because we have a couple of like milestone releases for this. So that's github.com forward slash micrometer, M-I-C-R-O-M-E-T-E-R. Yes. Okay. So that's that's the uh that's the micrometer org. And uh this this observation API is in the micrometer uh repo. So there is a micrometer metrics, that's the name of the repo. Sorry, micrometer dash metrics, that is the name of the org. So github.com slash micrometer dash metrics yeah. uh, and slash micrometer. That's the name of the repo. Or uh, a shortcut is in micrometer.io. Yeah, yeah. Just go there and uh, there will be a, a link to, to our GitHub repos. And also in micrometer.io, you will find uh, like a tracing uh, documentation, which as far as I remember, should contain a couple of uh, things for this observation API, but we also have wiki pages for this. So if you go to micrometer.io, from that you go, you go and jump to our micrometer metrics, uh, sorry, a micrometer uh, repo, right. that one has a wiki page, how to move from one or how to merge your existing instrumentation to this new observation API, because that is not very complicated in most of the cases, because what you are doing, for example, in if you are um, instrumenting with micrometer, you will have, for example, a timer. You start it and you stop it and you attach metadata. The API is not different than that. You are starting an observation, stopping an observation, and you are attaching some data. Right. But the huge advantage there is that because of these handlers, you can get like whatever whatever you want out of that or out of that measurement of out of that instrumentation. And we will have we will have examples for this that hey, if you are doing this in micrometer or if you are doing this in sleuth, then do that in the observation API. Uh, there are like shortcuts. There are like uh, like uh, convenience features. For example, I added like an add observed annotation. 
Yeah. So you don't necessarily need to like start and stop an observation if you are just measuring a method. Right. Or if you have like a runnable or a callable or like a supplier or whatever, and you want to measure that, you have shortcut for that as well. So you don't necessarily need to do this like start, stop and boilerplate. Uh, we have shortcuts for you. You just pass the code that, hey, I want to call this, this function. Uh, give me the result of it, but also measure it. Right. And uh, you, can, you can get a lot of, lot of value uh, out of this. I can't wait to see it all. Uh, my friend, I, I, I'm sure as soon as we hang up, I'm going to have questions. Where do other people, if they have questions, reach you if you want to be found? Are you on the internet? And if so, where do they find you? So uh, there are a lot of places uh, that, you can, uh, that you can use if you have uh, like questions around this or if you, can, if you want to find us. Uh, there is a micrometer Slack. Oh, wow. So if you go to Micrometer.io, Micrometer has a separate Slack channel. Maybe that is the best uh, thing that, uh, that you want to use uh, if you want to like, get questions. Also, we monitor Stack Overflow. So if you tag uh, Sprinkle Suit or Micrometer, uh, we, are, we are usually monitoring that. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is my name, so J-O-N-A-T-A-N. Uh, I guess it's underscore. IBA, you know, if, if you uh, like uh, search for my name, you will, you will find that. Uh, also, okay. we are on Gitter too. Right. And wow. You can always open an issue if you, if you have a problem. If you have a question, just go to Slack and uh, go to uh, Stack Overflow. But if you have like an issue and you can reproduce it, you have a test for that, you have a reproducer project, just uh, feel free to, to open an issue. That's awesome. I appreciate it. Jonathan, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. This has been eye-opening. Uh, I got so excited about uh, Spring Boot. I was already super excited, but now I'm even more excited about Spring Boot 3 and Spring Framework 6 and, uh, you know, micrometer.next. Yep, fun times. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.